This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. In the second and third century, Roman girls, even girls from noble families, were not usually educated. But Perpetua was. Her father really was attached to her. They had a good relationship. He was not a Christian. She wasn't raised in a Christian home. But somewhere along the line in her early adulthood, after she was a married woman, she began the process of of initiation. She was a catechumen and she was becoming a Christian. She had a deep, deep faith. And during this time, uh, she had a baby, a young boy under two, and she was arrested for being a Christian. She was arrested with another girl, her slave, Felicity, and with two other people. So they were arrested, and then during the initial phase of of being arrested, somehow they were baptized. The Christians in prison then, in those days, had connections, and there were ways to get word out. You could pay off a guard or whatever, and you could get some things done. So somehow they were able to get a deacon in there, and and they, they did get baptized before they were actually thrown into a dungeon. And... She was really distressed because her baby was still nursing her little boy and her breasts, they swelled and she was uncomfortable. It reminded her of him all the time. And she was absolutely distraught and miserable initially in the prison. And somebody, probably her parents, because they were able to come and visit her too. They arranged for the baby to be brought and to stay with her for a while in the prison. And I'm going to read her quote about it. I obtained for my infant to remain in the dungeon with me. Immediately I grew strong and was relieved from distress and anxiety about my infant. And the dungeon became to me as it were a palace so that I preferred being there to anywhere else. Unquote. Now we get this quote from her diary that of course she would, she would rather be anywhere with her child than anywhere else, even a dungeon, you know, any mother would say that, especially a nursing infant. Um, But we get this from her diary because like I said, she, her dad made sure she was educated. So she wrote a diary and it's not just the, the things that happened in the prison, which it gives us a real good idea about life in the prison and what the early church went through. But also she was a mystic. So she, in her diary, records her mystical experiences and how this all progresses as she and her companions are 
led towards their eventual martyrdom. So she was a mystic. And I guess her brother knew she was a mystic too. So he asked her, he asked her to pray. And this is what he said to her. My dear sister, you are already in a position of great dignity. So he understood now she was baptized and she was a mystic and she had gifts and they understood this. So he's, he's recognized in the Christian community, a position of great dignity and are such that you may ask for a vision and then it may be made known to you what is the result of your passion or escape. In other words, would her imprisonment lead to her martyrdom or would she be uh, allowed to leave? And so she did ask the Lord. And this is, this is what was shown to her. And I'm going to quote her. And I asked, and this was shown to me. I saw a golden ladder of marvelous height reaching up to heaven and very narrow so that persons could only ascend it one by one. And on the sides of the ladder were fixed every kind of iron weapon. There were swords, lances, hooks, daggers, so that if anyone went up carelessly or not looking upwards, he would be torn to pieces and his flesh cleaved to the iron weapons. And under the ladder itself was crouching a dragon of wonderful size who lay in wait for those who ascended and frightened them from ascent. Saturus, which is another Christian who had already been martyred, okay, so she sees him went up first, who had subsequently delivered himself up freely on our account, not having been present at the time we were taking prisoners. And he attained the top of the ladder and he turned towards me and said, Perpetua, I'm waiting for you, but be careful that dragon does not bite you. And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he shall not hurt me. And from under the ladder itself, as if in fear of me, he slowly lifted up his head And I trod upon the first step. I trod upon his head and went up. And so she goes up the ladder and she, she gets a glimpse of heaven. And there's a lot of experiences that happened to her. And I encourage you to read her diary. It is the diary of a mystic who's mixing what's really happening in life as it's happening to her with the spiritual awareness of the unseen world as it's happening. It's really very interesting. So now that she knows that she's going to go up the ladder and she's going to go to heaven, she realizes that, yep, I'm here to stay. This is my martyrdom. And so she makes that, she begins to make that separation, you know, from her child. And it's, it's a horrible go for her because she was close to her family. Her mother and brother were Christians and they understood and they were actually joyful for her that she would bear witness and be in heaven and that she got the crown of glory that she's, you know, They're confident she's making it. But her dad, who was not, oh, he made life hard for her. He he um, went to see her on several occasions and he begged her. He said, have pity. My daughter on my gray hairs have pity on your father. If I'm worthy to be called a father by you, I have preferred you to all your brothers. Have regard for your mother. Have regard for your son who will not be able to live without you, which is an exaggeration. Uh, lay aside your courage and do not bring us to destruction, you know, and, and he, and he kissed her and he called her my lady, which is, you know, a great thing to call her. And then he groveled at her feet and begged her in front of everyone, you know, and he made more than one trip. At one time they took them out of the dungeon and they brought them to a trial 
all four of her companions. And at this trial, they were given the opportunity to relent. They could make a little offering to one of the gods and get off and not be martyred, not die a Christian. And at this trial, then he entreats her again. And it's in, you know, in front of everybody, he, he's just begging her, please don't do this to me. And she's just feeling so badly for him, but she's like, I'm a Christian. I cannot change who I am. I just can't change who I am. This is who I am anyway. And then she has to endure the fact that because he was got in the way and was begging her, the guards then pull him aside, her father, and they strike him and they, they manhandle him, beat him up a little bit. And she has to watch that, that he is degraded like that in front of everybody on her account. That really struck her heart because she didn't want to make him suffer anymore. But anyway, so these are the kinds of sufferings that, that she, you know, she went through the other woman who was her friend and also had been her servant. Cause like I say, Perpetua was, was a noble woman, uh, married young. She was part of a, uh, an important family, but Felicity was, a slave girl in the household, but being Christian, they converted together and they were equals in the Lord. And Felicity was pregnant. She was also arrested and had been baptized. So her great fear was the fact that the Romans, well, they treated their own citizens well, but a slave wasn't, wasn't treated well, wasn't a a citizen. And uh, but even so, they had the decorum to uh, not throw her to the animals or not execute her publicly until after she gave birth so that the child wouldn't be killed. Isn't that interesting that they had that kind of, I hate to say it, decency, but but they did. They weren't going to chill, kill the child. And so her big fear was that the day of execution would come and that she would not have given birth and that she would have to face death without her Christian friends. That was her great fear. And as, as you know, and the Lord listened to her prayers and she actually delivered early and she had a little girl and she delivered her to another Christian family who, you know, they came to the prison and got her and they would raise her in the faith but she was able to be, you know, thrown to the, to the animals along with Perpetua and the two other companions. They were men. So two men and, and two women. I want to talk about a couple of things. One, the head of the serpent, you know, that Perpetua steps on to ascend. So St. Augustine in one of his early sermons, he talks about this and he makes a connection with stepping on the head of the sermon to um, how brave these women were and connects it with Mary. Because, you know, in, in Genesis, we talk about Eve and, the, and how the serpent tricks her. And then the promise, the proto-evangelium, the promise to come that, that the new Eve, the woman who uh, would strike the head of the serpent with her offspring, the seed. It's so it's so connected. I don't have the eloquence that Augustine had to to make the case, but throughout the history of throughout salvation history, the women in the Old Testament even, it seems like they go for the head of the enemy. You know, um, uh, the Old Testament women did. I know that um, 
uh, we've had heads chopped off of enemies back in the Old Testament. You know, Hal, Hal Furness got his his head chopped off um, by Judith. Judith chopped the head off of Hal Furness, the enemy of Israel. And so did another woman in the Old Testament. When, when women went against the enemy, they always went for the head. And here we are with Perpetua, like she's stepping on the head of the dragon. So in Genesis, we say, we think of a snake, a serpent, but it really is a great serpent, like, like a dragon. And in Revelations, they're one and the same. We call them the dragon. So it's all connected. And it's, it's a thing to notice that she ascends to heaven by stepping on the head of the dragon that's at the bottom of the stairs that head up there. So anyway, these four friends, they, they are martyred in the arena and it's, it's really a pitiful thing, but Perpetua, finally, when they're going to finally kill her at the end, you know, there's a young, it's in her diary. You will enjoy to read it. And it, it is a diary that is not depressing at all to read. She writes up until she goes to the arena and Christians finish the diary for her and tell what happened. But what happened was there was this young gladiator and it was his job to finish her off. And he just was having a hard time. He couldn't bring himself to do it. And, and he struck at her and missed. And, and so anyway, she takes his, his sword and she puts it at her throat and steadies his hand so he can finally get the job done. She was so ready to meet our Lord. And you hear their names, Felicity and Perpetua. You hear them in the Eucharistic prayer. It's beautiful, the witness that they gave. And that's, you know, that's the witness that they gave in the, in the early centuries. So what these two women did was they had the eternal goal in mind. They had the eternal perspective in mind. They knew what was at stake. They knew what was important. They shed their blood as a witness. And, you know, we know that in the shedding of blood in the early church, that this actually grew the members of the body of Christ. And so saints, Perpetua and Felicity, pray for us. Thank you for being with me today. I've enjoyed to share the story. I really encourage you to get the the Prison Diary of St. Perpetua. It is a great read. It will inspire you. Pray with me now. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Omdurko, produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit materdayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.